Okay, turn with me in your Bible to Daniel chapter 7. And, you know, these messages, um, I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, we're like 10 hours in of teaching or something, and it's just really, we're just scratching the surface. I, I can't emphasize it enough. I'm really only reading the menu. And the things that I'm throwing out there and the verses that I'm throwing out there, uh, much of the way I'm thinking is it's, it's to compel you to go into a deeper uh, place of study and prayer over these things, to really mine out these truths, to get personally fascinated, I mean absolutely fascinated with the knowledge of God and the beauty of God. And so uh, I, I, again, just want to emphasize, I'm just reading the menu and there's a major difference between reading the menu and actually eating the food. Amen. So eating the food is what you do when you take these things away. Because I'm very aware. I just be very clear. You might go, wow, it's been such deep teaching. I'm very aware that I'm only scratching the surface. Only scratching the surface. Uh, you're in Daniel 7. I just want to read this sentence from Deuteronomy chapter 4. And then we're just going to stay on this theme when we, when we started in worship. Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And I was <clears throat> taking time this week and going through just so many verses in the scripture that talk about the expression of God, of his being, of his nature as fire. How God expresses himself as fire. And that, I mean, <laughs> there is a massive volume of thought that can go into that because fire has so many different properties to it. Fire purifies. Fire warms. Fire gives light. Fire can destroy. Fire burns up what is not necessary. There are so many different things that fire does. And so for the Lord to identify himself with fire, the interesting point is that as he says he's a fire, he's talking about uh, an extensive list of properties of himself. In Song of Solomon 8, which we touched just for a moment in worship tonight, he talks about the, the flame of love and that the flame of love is the very flame of God. It's actually Jah in, in the original, Jah, Jehovah. So the fire of God is the love of God. This one who is a consuming fire is burning with love and jealousy. And these ideas are a deep, deep well. And, and so I want to just touch on this, this idea of the fire. I was uh, talking to Lauren Mason, one of our staff. And she was just saying that they had a little fire. I don't know if it was a bonfire or a fire in a fireplace or she just lit something on fire or what. But she was just sitting there and she was just staring at the fire. Going, the Lord is fire. He is fire. He is fire. And just, 
getting blown away with the properties of fire and what it does, what it looks like, and how God describes himself as that, as such. Here's the thing. Our little natural ex, uh, uh, expression of fire, that thing that burns up oxygen, that burns up. I mean, if you light, lit this on fire, if it got hot enough, the fire would melt the, the steel girders. Our little natural expression is shadow compared to the reality of God. And he gives us fire as an expression of himself. Comprehend this. The reason we have fire in the natural realm is to testify of who he is. To tell us about him. When you see fire, that's supposed to be telling you God. Always. I mean, there are so many expressions of himself that he's woven into the fabric of the the natural order. And fire is a key way that he expresses himself. He talks about himself as fire. So when you see fire, think God. Burning. Alive. You stare at fire, you're, you're like, where is the, the word would be corporality, where is the body of this thing? Because it actually, it's not, it's not solid, so to speak, it's, it's, it's moving and vibrant and alive and consuming. That's who our God is, he's a continuous, consuming fire of love and passion and jealousy and beauty. He is, I mean, he is to the highest extent of splendor in who he is as a fire. And the expression of who he is as a fire is manifold. It's manifold. It's not just love. It's not just jealousy. Sometimes it's wrath. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's purifying. Sometimes it's pleasure. Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's deadly. Not just getting moved. Or the beauty of who our God is, this consuming fire. And last week, we were talking about that which is before his throne. We were talking about the majesty. We were talking about the atmosphere of the throne and the things that are coming out of God that's giving life to all the different things in the throne room. And I just briefly touched on Daniel 7 where we have this encounter. Daniel's having a, a, a vision in the night. He's having an encounter with the Lord in the night, in the night visions. Uh, and he explains the throne... And it just, I, I just spent a while this week just kind of just percolating on this sort of this one phrase. But let's just go ahead and read through it again in Daniel 7, verse 9. This is in context speaking about the end of the age. It's speaking about how Jesus' kingdom will destroy uh, the Antichrist's kingdom. That's really what it's talking about in context. And it, it describes... Jesus, in a most powerful way, says, verse 9, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, and his vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. His throne was ablaze with flames. He's sitting on fire. He's sitting on fire. His throne was ablaze with flames. I don't know how that works. The uncreated God, His throne is fire. 
He is fire. His throne is fire. Well, the living creatures before his throne, they're called burning ones. They're on fire. Well, there's seven lamps in front of him. Seven spirits of God. They're fire. Well, we're going to find out there's wheels on the throne. By the way, the throne's got wheels. Did you know that? There's wheels on the throne. I know I did this to you last week, but I don't know how you normally picture it, but add the wheels. When add them, because they're there. <laughs> There's wheels on it. Better wheels than you're thinking about. I guarantee you. The wheels have eyes all over them. We find out in Ezekiel 1. For those of you that are in this kind of thing, it talks about the rims in Ezekiel 1. It does. There's life in them. There's spirit in them. And they move with the Spirit of the Lord. These wheels are special. (laughs) I don't know enough about wheels to say anything more, but he's got rims. Okay. His wheels are fire, burning fire. Verse 10, and this is the one that just got me because this has so many implications. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. The fire is in the, the stream. It's a, it's a water and fire mixture, and it's coming out from the Lord. We're going to find out. Revelation 22, that there is a river that flows right out of the throne. This is the same river. Daniel's seeing the same thing. And he's seeing it, and Daniel gives us the detail that there's fire in the river. Now, rather than just going, right, there's fire in the river, you need to slow that down for a moment. The river is fire. It's water and fire mingled together. It's fire water or something. He's seeing something way better than lava. And lava is probably the thing the Lord gives us in creation to express what it is that's actually coming out of His being. A molten reality of life and uh, Water and power and fire all mixed together, but it's of a spiritual source that comes out of the very bosom of God. This is important. This is super important. Here's why the river is fire, and the river is the description of the Holy Spirit. You and I have rivers of living water coming out of us. And I would say to you that the fire that's in that river is also in you. It's real. And when you stretch your hand forth to pray for healing or to release the power of the kingdom or ask God to move by the power of the Holy Spirit... 
You are extending forth that stream that's flowing from the throne of God, that's flowing in your spirit, that's flowing in your soul. You're extending forth that stream. It's not simply water. It is a river of fire. And this is what we are to be, a people that are expressing the nature, the manifestation of the nature of God through the, the, the manifestation of His presence. And that presence is living water or a river of fire. It's the same thing. And that has a lot of implications to it. But I, basically, the way I'm, I'm ex, ex, uh, my experience with this thought, this phrase this week is, it's way better than I ever dreamt. It's way better than I ever imagined. This river that is fire, it's way better. You know, because you kind of have this thing, you know, come to me, all you are thirsty, and I will give you rivers of living water. And you kind of just have this, like, I'm going to get a drink a little bit. Or, you know, maybe you even go there, you're like, you know, I'm real thirsty, like after you ran a long way or something, really thirsty. He goes, no, I am going to fill you with something that will quench the deepest aching of your soul and empower you and fill you with love and passion and zeal and the, 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 very, the very details of the, of the makeup of God. I'm putting all of this in you and this river that's flowing out of your innermost being. We have, I'm, I'm telling you, the capacity of the river that's on the inside of us. I'm telling you, we've virtually untapped what's available. It's virtually untapped. Because that river of fire is flowing from the throne, and that's the very same river that's flowing in you and I. I just want to work through these thoughts because it's, uh, it's beyond stuff that I've ever thought. So he's got this throne of fire. It's got wheels of fire. There is a river of fire flowing out of the throne. Now, in Revelation 15, in all these verses, we're just going to throw them up on the screen for you so you don't have to just fly around. But Revelation 15, John sees the exact thing that Daniel sees. And I want to just kind of give you a piece of it. There is before the throne a sea of glass, a, a crystal sea of glass. Now, I don't know what a crystal sea looks like, but I imagine that the natural expression is when you see uh, water like glass. The, the difference is the water is living in the throne room and you can stand on it. I promise you, it's not like a lake you've ever been to. You can stand on it. And it has fire in it. Revelation 15, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled or mixed with fire. There's this mixture again. And, and the way I imagine it is the sea is before the throne, the sea of glass, this sapphire sea, this beautiful sea of, uh, of uh, you know, life, of living water. And through the middle of it is a flowing stream. And that flowing stream is coming out of the very being of God. And from that, the very being of God is coming the very nature of this God who is a consuming fire. And the stream is carrying the fire. That living stream of, uh, of water is a, a river of fire. This is our portion, guys. Now, you look, if this sounds like, whoa, that's outer space. No, this is our portion. This is reality. 
This is ours. This is ours. The river of fire is ours. You are called to drink rivers of living water from the Holy Spirit. That living water is fire water. I don't know what that looks like. But I'm sure it's good. Fire water. Like just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, really. You know, you got the guy that takes the fire and he puts it, you know what I mean? Puts it on him, puts it in his mouth. Oh, fire eater. This is not that. This is better. Way better. A million times better. And these truths are ours now. They're real to us now. That there is a river of fire that we are able to drink of and receive from. And, and here's, here's where I'm at with this whole thing. I, I, want, you to, uh, I want you to look with me at um, Exodus chapter 40. To get a, a kind of a cleaner picture. Because ordinarily we think of fire and we think of amber in color. That orangey, red-ish kind of color. And I think amber is there sometimes when the fire is manifesting. You see it in Ezekiel 1. There's amber in this whirlwind of fire. There's this amber color. But I think more often than not, it's probably the sapphire. It's probably the blue. I think that's why perhaps sometimes you see the fire and sometimes you don't because the fire and the water kind of mingle together and it's hard to perceive them. Why would I say that? Well, look at Exodus 40. Exodus 40 describes the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now think this through for a minute. Remember, they had... Uh, a cloud by day that covered them from the heat in the desert, and they had fire, a pillar of fire that was flowing. It was on top of the tabernacle, actually flowing right to the Ark of the Covenant, that pillar of fire. So it was during the day, it was a cloud that was covering, and at night, they, it was a fire. Now here's the thing. I used to think of it like this. I used to think, during the daytime, God would manifest a cloud. And during the nighttime, He would manifest a fire because it just makes sense. During the day, you've got to have cloud covering. At night, you've got to be able to see. But when you read through all the verses that talk about cloud by day and fire by night, what you find out is the cloud is the fire. And the fire is the cloud. It's actually the same thing. The manifestation never changes. The vantage point changes when the sun goes off. It just looks different to the human eye at night than it does during the day. That's cool. Exodus 40, 38. Throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire in it. In what? In the cloud. By night. In the sight of all the house of Israel. That's powerful. When the Lord, when He comes down on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, when He comes down in Exodus 19 and 20, He comes down in cloud, and it describes the mountain as it was all in smoke and on fire. It's cloud and fire. These things are mingled in the expression of God. And so that fire that's in the water, in my opinion, it has, uh, it has very similar properties. And I think it even may look like that. 
Ezekiel 1 tells us that the throne looks sapphire. Well, Daniel 7 says the throne is on fire. So if it's on fire and it looks sapphire, what color is it? Blue. Which is the hottest part of the flame? Thank you very much. He's not going with the low-grade fire. He's going with the high-grade fire. Jasper is a pale green, tends to blue, looks more like diamonds sometimes. Do you know the very hottest part of the fire is actually white? I think what you have through Scripture is you have all these different descriptions because it's like eyewitnesses. You know, you have eyewitnesses of the same thing and they give different details. They say it from their vantage point. Well, here's what you have in Scripture. You've got Daniel. He identifies the fire. You've got John. He identifies, you know, the jasper. You've got Ezekiel. He identifies the sapphire. You've got the children of Israel in the wilderness. They're seeing cloud and fire. Well, what is it? It's the glory of God in manifestation. And that river that comes from the throne, that river, you got to get this, the river that comes from the throne, that crystal river, what is a crystal river? It's a river of fire. That river that flows from the throne, that's what fills you and me. That's what fills us. And so then this is where... (laughs) This is where it goes to for me because there's certain ways that I've thought about it, but I I think it's better. It's way better than what I've thought about it. When you take the verses and compare them with one another. Matthew 3.11, I I read it tonight during worship. John the Baptist, he says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he was coming out. After me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Notice the contrast, water and fire. I think it through for a minute because, you know, I, I've thought about this many times. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. John is baptizing with natural water. There's a, there's a play going on here. There's an expression going on here that's trying to link the two things, the water and the fire. But here's the deal. How did John do his ministry? He was proclaiming in the wilderness. People were coming out to him. And one by one, John would dunk them in the water. And John says of Jesus, he's mightier than me. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals to unloose the strap of them. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with fire. Just as John baptized with water, Jesus will take you and just say it this way, dunk you in fire. You need to think that one through for a moment. What happens when the Son of God takes a hold of you and lowers you down? Into the flame of his glory. (laughs) 
That isn't a little, woo, feels good. Thank you, Lord. Goosebump. No, it's way, way, way better. Baptized, immersed. Immersed. Jesus is the one who baptizes you. I just, that, that, vid- that video, the video, the visual in my mind is just Jesus, take me and dunk me in that living water fire. It's coming out of the throne. He's the one that baptizes in fire. This is our promise, that you be baptized in fire. And here's my point. The cloud that was fire, that thing that Daniel saw flowing out of the, the throne, that river that is fire, that is the same promise. That stuff is the same thing that we are promised to be baptized with. The very fire of His glory. The very fire of His presence. The very fire that's mingled with that water that's flowing out of the throne. Think about Acts 2 again. Let's just look at it. Because it's different again. Acts 2 is the fulfillment of Matthew 3.11. They're tearing. They're waiting. They're asking. They're hungry for the baptism, for the river of fire. That's what they're asking for. They're asking for the river of fire, the baptism of fire. And when the fire comes, it sounds like a rushing mighty wind... And it splits out on everybody. I've always pictured it as amber, but I think it was probably sapphire. It was glory. Just like what they had in the wilderness. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 says it's better than what they experienced. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. I love it. It's a noise. Their hair wasn't necessarily blowing. It's a noise. It sounds like a freight train. The river. What is it? He's turned on the river. Release the river, Lord. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine we're sitting here? And all of a sudden, the freight train sounds like it's coming through the roof. No, really. I've heard, I've heard, I, I, I was thinking this evening, I was thinking about this. Um, this is like uh, uh, this audio recording that I actually heard. It's a real one. And it was this uh, tribe of like Eskimos. Like way up north where it's way, way cold. And they're praying. They don't even have video equipment. They're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're asking the Lord to send the river of fire. And you can hear them. And, they're, and I, the, the word they're using, it's, it's kind of like it was like a, you know, like a fuego, kind of that kind of a word. It wasn't exactly Spanish. They're Eskimos. So I'm not trying to say they're Spanish Eskimos. It's just... So they're saying a word that's not fire. It's not English, but it's not Spanish. But it's a foreign word that means fire. Got me? But let's just say fuego because it's the only one I got. So they're saying, they're saying it over and over. Fuego, fuego. They're yelling. You can hear this group of people yelling. Fuego, fuego. And they're praying, praying, praying. Yelling, fuego, 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 fuego. And all of a sudden, it sounds like, some, like a train is coming through the wall. I mean, just loud, roaring train coming through the room. And you hear them, and they go from going, fuego, fuego, to, ah! And they're screaming the top of their lungs. 
screaming. And it's fire. It's the river of fire. And this is it. This is what happened. on. It was a real Pentecost that happened to these Eskimos. And that's what happened. They heard the freight train. They heard that noise from, from heaven like a violent rushing wind. It fills the whole house. And there appeared to them these tongues of fire. I believe it's the blue fire. I think it's that fire by night. Fire distributing themselves. That fire splits across on all of them. And I, oh man. The river of fire. What about that, beloved? I mean... I don't know where your faith's at, but man, why not us? Why not here? Why not now? I just, why not? You know, but here's the deal. We got to be willing to deal with fire. Because fire isn't a little dabble, do you? Ooh, I feel good. Fire, it will purify you. I mean, fire falls and it transforms what it lands on. I love how Alan Hood says it. He goes, you know, everybody's so worried about, you know, scaring off the Lord. And and I do appreciate that, that we've got to walk holy before the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, he's fire. If he gets on you, that's hard to get rid of. I mean, you got fire on you. He's going to burn it up. And the question is, do you want that? You know what I'm saying? Do you want that attribute of God that consumes? That, that, that thing he said, I'm a consuming. I'm consuming you. I'm going to consume you with that river of fire. I'm going to consume your stuff. He says, I will burn up all the chaff. He goes, the, the threshing floor, if you read Matthew 3, if you go back to it, don't go there right now, just when you're studying. If you go th- and you look at it, he goes, uh, he's going to get his winnowing ha- fan, which is a giant rake. He's got his wheat on the threshing floors is where they bring the harvest and they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow and the chaff would go off of the wheat and they would throw it up in the air and they'd have the wheat and the chaff it would be separated by the wind. They would take all the wheat, they would gather the harvest and they would take all the chaff and burn it up. If you want a baptism of fire, I promise you the chaff will go away. The chaff will get burnt up. The, the, the problem is the church wants the power of the Holy Spirit without the holy of the Holy Spirit. We don't know about river of fire. We don't know. We don't understand what happens when the river of fire touches the earth. My point is this. In Daniel 7 and Revelation 15, you see the fire burning, and that's in judgment activity the Lord is about to release. The river of fire is no joke. And so we want a baptism of fire because we think we want a Holy Ghost time. But I tell you, the river of fire will possess you. They had fire come on them on Pentecost. Those men came out of there possessed. And I mean, have you thought about Acts 5? You know, the, they come in and they lie. Ananias and Sapphira, they come in and they lie. And fire touches them, they die. This is, this is, this is serious. This is real stuff. Our God's a consuming fire. And when you find people so yoked to their sin, the fire touches them and it's over. It's intense. We don't know that. That's New Testament. You go, oh, bro, that's judgment. That's New Testament. See, it 
Let me give you this one. Leviticus chapter 9. It'll come up on your screen. Leviticus 9. They set up the tabernacle. You know how the priest tended the fire on the altar every morning? They would tend the fire on the altar every morning and every night. You know how they would tend it every day and they wouldn't let the fire go out in the tabernacle? Y'all know that? And they would add a new sacrifice to it? Where did they get the original fire? From God. They didn't, they didn't strike a match. The reason why that fire was tended because it was the Lord who dropped the fire. Look at Leviticus 9, verse 23. Moses and Aaron went in the tent of meeting. When they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord. That's that, that luminescent blue glory. It comes out of the tabernacle. I mean, can you imagine? They set it up. They come out. They bless the people. They have a sacrifice in front. And whoa! Fire shoots out of the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. And when the people saw it, look what they did. They had a Holy Ghost time and had a few goosebumps. It says they shouted and fell on their faces. Oh, beloved. River of fire. River of fire. And that's the, that's the fire that they tended throughout their sojourn in the wilderness. They continually lit, kept that fire burning. It was heavenly fire that actually burned natural stuff. Well, if you go on reading, next chapter, Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu, they're going to go ahead and decide it's time for them to put on a little show, a little, little spiritual activity. They get their censers out, and they offer incense before the Lord at a time when it wasn't prescribed. The fire shoots out of the tabernacle again, but this time it consumes the two. We don't know what we're playing with. We don't. We want fire. We don't, we honestly. And then, so when you see a Leviticus 10 and you go look in your Acts at chapter 5 and you have Ananias and Sapphira, I mean, you just, oh my gosh, same stuff. But I just think, I just think about that river flowing from the throne, the river of fire. And Jesus says, come to me all you who thirst. You'll never thirst again. You're going you're gonna to drink a river that will spring up from the inside of you and become a well and from your innermost being rivers of living water will come out of you. Living water. See, I think of that. I go, living water. That's the fire in the water. The life of God manifests in fire in the water. Those rivers of living water, it's the fire coming out of you. I just, man, I want to encounter this. I want, you know, it's in degrees, you know. You, you get it in a moment and you get it in a degree. I want the version that possesses. I want the version that transforms. I want the version that burns up all the chaff. See, it puts it in a different light. And you read like Psalm 46 and he says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. I mean, can you imagine what the holy river coming out of the throne is really going to look like? It is the life of God manifest in, in fire and, and, and water. 
mean, what is that really going to look like when we stand there and perceive him and draw of his, I mean, beauty, his pleasure, his splendor, and see this river? And that, what's wild is that river is actually going to touch the earth in the age to come. It's actually going to touch the earth. It will actually flow out of the throne room, down upon the earth, and touch the earth. And, and Zechariah 14 says that the river of living water will, t- it will go right into the temple and will flow out of the temple in both directions. We'll take the Dead Sea and make it alive. And will cause the Mediterranean to, to teem with life. Oh, man. We don't have a clue. And we're able to, uh, to perceive and receive this thing right now. River of fire. River of fire. Our God is fire. His throne is fire. The cherubim are fire. Holy Spirit is fire. And the river coming out is fire. I don't know. You're looking at me like, so? I don't know. I just know I want it. I want the expression of God filled with all the fullness. I want the expression of God manifest. The river of living water flowing, burning up chaff, flowing in my own soul, burning up everything that's not God. I just want to read this and then we'll just land. Deuteronomy 5, it's Moses recounting to the children of Israel what happened when God came down on the mountain. A lot of people miss the fact that God actually gave the children of Israel the Ten Commandments audibly. They all heard it. They actually all heard it, and they decided together they couldn't hear God's voice. It was too intense for them. So they said, Moses, you go in and preach for us, and we will back away and do what the Lord tells you to tell us. The Lord goes, I never wanted that. I wanted a kingdom of priests. And so now he gives us access, all of us access by the blood of Jesus, so that we can be a kingdom of priests. Because that's what he always dreamed about with Israel. A people with access, not just to his presence, but to his heart. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses is recounting it. I want to comprehend the one that we have to deal with. These are the commandments of the Lord. This is Moses, he's recounting it. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to your whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud, and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leading men of your tribes and your elders came to me and said, and you said, the Lord our God is shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live, even if God speaks with him. And it goes on, and he says, but you talk to him, Moses, and we'll hear from you. But I just think of our God, this one who's wrapped in light. He's wrapped in beauty. He's wrapped in majesty. And then he shrouds himself in darkness. And when he manifests to humanity, he comes in fire, this glorious fire that actually is living. It's that living water, that living fire. And it's, it's our portion to receive of it, that river of fire that flows from his throne. I, I, you know, I'm, it's kind of silly in a certain sense. We have a 24-hour prayer meeting. 
And what I want is to seek him more. (laughs) You can't really do that. You only get 24-7. If you had 25-8, though, it would be worth it. Because there's so much more available. That's what, that's, I, I don't know how you feel about that. When you read these things in the scripture and you see the testimony of what was available and what they actually operated and real people actually operated in this stuff. How do you feel about it when you recognize that we haven't actually scratched the surface on it? How, I mean, how does that make you feel? I don't want to make peace with our barrenness. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to make peace with the fact that we haven't seen what is promised in the scripture. We, so many times you make peace with your barrenness and then people will even come up with theology as to why we don't have it. Let me tell you something. I don't know why we don't have it. I'm not trying to point a finger. I'm just saying I'm not okay with not having it. I, I, want, a li- I want a river of fire coming out of me. I want a river of fire coming. I want rivers. I want, let's go plural. I mean, I'm, I'd, I'd be happy to get the, the one, the real, you know, just one real one. But let's go plural. Let's go flooding everything. What if we all showed up together and every single one of us had rivers of fire blowing out of us? Whatever was in front of us wouldn't stand a chance. Well, you know, it says of God, a fire goes before him and and burns up all the enemies. A fire comes out of him. What is that? That's the river of fire. When he's manifest in judgment, the river that is that river of pleasure, that river of, of delight, that river of joy, when he's manifest in judgment, that river is a river of destruction. It's the same stuff. River of fire. This is what we, this is what we get to partake of. Are you kidding me? This is what we get to partake of. And that's how Peter, one day, the river is coming out of him, and they're just laying the sick out there in front of him, and he's just putting his hand over them. And the river of fire is touching them, and life is happening. And then the next day, you've got Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit, and just at the word, just at the word of Peter, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? The river of fire, and they are gone. This is the one that we... This is our God. This is the one that we have to deal with. I, I don't know. See, sometimes this is how I go. I go, well, I just, you know, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. But I had new, no idea who I was signing up with. I, you know what I mean? I didn't know. I mean, I, I knew I wasn't joining the devil's team. I was getting off the devil's team. I'm getting on God's team. But I, and then I had this little picture of this little sort of fairy tale God that's not even close. Our God's a consuming fire. It's a consuming fire. I just let's just position ourselves for a moment and ask him for the real stuff, the real thing. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. If you want to kneel, lay, do whatever you want to do. But I want to ask him for the river of fire. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and get the worship team. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus. John the Baptist said of you, your winnowing fan was in your hand. And you thoroughly clean your threshing floor. You throw it all into the air. So the wind will come and separate the wheat from the chaff. 
When you separate it, you burn up chaff. You are the one, Jesus, who baptizes with fire. You immerse us in fire. You are the one, Jesus. Just like John baptized in water, you baptize in fire. Lord, I do not want to make peace with the fact that we are not seeing yet what we see demonstrated in Scripture. I want that reality to compel us into pursuit. River of fire that flows from the throne. I'm asking you to touch us here. Fill all the thirsty, all the hungry. Fill all of us with that river of beauty, that river of pleasure and splendor, that river of purity and passion, that river of zeal. Fill all of us that river of fire Do it, Jesus. You're the baptizer. Do it, Jesus. Baptize us.